Now we hear from Professor Peter Smith, who's the Dean of the Faculty of Medicine at the Uni of New South Wales. Could I uh, start by perhaps asking you to briefly tell us about your career and the, the path that you've taken to get to your current position as Dean of Medicine at UNSW? Oh, good, thanks. Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm a Queenslander and I graduated in medicine from the University of Queensland. Very early on as an intern, I met someone who became a mentor and role model for me who actually was a paediatrician working in Brisbane. And uh, he really switched me on to a career in paediatrics. So I did my uh, specialist training in paediatrics then trained further in haematology oncology and became a paediatric oncologist. Uh, did further training in Melbourne in the US and then came back to Brisbane and set up both the oncology clinic at the Royal Children's Hospital in Brisbane and started a research lab at the Queensland Institute of Medical Research. So the early part of my career uh, was embraced both clinical practice, treating children with leukaemia and cancer, plus researching cancer in children in a research institute. Later on I moved to Melbourne and uh, became the Stevenson Professor of Paediatrics and Head of Haematology Oncology at the Children's in Melbourne. Again, following a similar path of being a clinical scientist, looking after children with cancer and running a research group. At, at that point, I became more interested in management and I guess I began to see that while I could do a lot of good in my own sphere as a professional, by actually developing skills to manage and lead other people, uh, I, I could perhaps even achieve more. I became involved in uh, hospital management under the Kennett Hospital Reorganisations in Victoria and uh, then undertook management programs, an advanced management program, did some finance training and then moved further into academic management and leadership, first of Dean of Medicine in Auckland University and then I came back to Australia take up my present post. Mm. So it's been a journey from a sort of academic clinician, clinician scientist into academic management and leadership mm. on a broader scale. And uh, what, what do you think is the most interesting job you've ever had? Oh that's easy, the job I've got now. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's very challenging. Uh, I've, I've been at the University of New South Wales for four years. Uh, I've been leading uh, in particular the development and expansion of the research agenda here. Uh, we've been building a lot of buildings, doing a lot of infrastructure development, a lot of recruiting and, uh, and also working with the very strong research team here to build our uh, research profile. Uh, we also have a very innovative medical student program here. We still have one of the few six-year undergraduate programs so we get some of the best and brightest kids from school who want to be doctors and we spend six years uh, giving them in-depth exposure to science, scientific principles, research principles and uh, I believe we graduate young doctors who will be fitted to become the leaders of the future. 
Mm. Yeah, very good. And um, where do you see medical research heading over the next five to ten years? Well, I believe uh, the medical research agenda is going to become much more outcome-driven rather than output-driven. I mean, in the past, we judge success by publications in Nature or Science, uh, by citation indices and measures like that, and these are outputs of research. I think that uh, we are now much more interested in outcomes how the research we're doing in a medical school actually affects patient care. How does it improve patient care, either by new discoveries or by developing new systems to, to manage patients in the modern idiom? So that's the, uh, sort of, um, would be, by the terms, would be translational research, I guess, taking yes. it from the, the lab to the coalface, so to speak. Yes, I believe the, uh, the, the, that's absolutely correct. Uh, this university uses as its motto, motto B to B, bench to bedside, and, and we strongly embrace the translational view here. In fact, uh, we would think, if we wanted overseas institutions that we wish to be like, we would be thinking of Imperial College in London and perhaps MIT, uh, because we have very strong, as I've said, science and research credentials and we want to see those translated in, in, into outcomes. Mm. And what do you see as the major issues affecting medicine at the moment in, in Australia or indeed worldwide? Well, I, I think the uh, issues that we all hear about are around the ageing population and the increasing cost of providing medical care. I think right at this moment we're confronted with huge issues in the workforce, both in terms of having the right number of practitioners, but also having the right type of practitioners uh, to deliver health care, both in the city and in rural areas, uh, both in hospitals and in the, in the community. I think uh, a huge challenge facing health care is uh, around electronic records and around e-health. It's, it, it's really odd because I, I, I can see that health is in a sort of time warp. I could walk into a public hospital today and pretty well do the job that are of a resident, the job I did 30 years ago. There is no other industry in the world where you could do that. Uh, things have changed in aviation, in finance, in all sorts of other areas, and uh, we have been left behind. I think in the next number of years we're going to see very rapid development of uh, ICT, information and communication technology applied to medicine, which again will help us handle these issues of uh, the workload and um, issues around the workforce. Um, you, you trained in, the, in Australia, as you said earlier, and uh, also in the US. You've worked in New Zealand and Australia. Do you think um, that experience of working in different cultures or in different countries has sort of benefited you throughout your career? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's added quite a lot. I mean, seeing the way things are different. I mean, the American health system is, is rather dysfunctional. But then to work in high-end institutions there, as I did, uh, one gets spoilt because there is every sort of equipment, every sort of piece of infrastructure you would need to do the work that you want to do. 
uh, and it's great being exposed to that for a while. Uh, New Zealand was an interesting place from a different point of view because it's smaller, uh, it has only a single layer of government so we don't, don't have the issues of state, federal issues there and uh, because it's smaller things can move more quickly and in many ways it, it's a bit of a laboratory for health development particularly around health systems yeah. and uh, in a way it's a bit of the sort of canary in the coal mine uh, they've done some brilliantly innovative things in, in, in modifying healthcare systems most of them have worked, some of them haven't but I think we can learn quite a lot from things that go on in, in countries such as New Zealand, as well as in some of the smaller Scandinavian countries. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, what do you see as the key issues facing the Faculty of Medicine here in terms of attracting and retaining talent at the senior level? It's providing a, a welcoming environment and an environment where people feel they can develop. I mean, people who determine that they want to take an academic career, they're, they're driven by, the, by intellectual curiosity and perhaps you know, a desire to uh, improve things rather than to simply practice, self-select. And I think we then need to provide the best environment we can, the best infrastructure, whether it's laboratories or whether it's uh, uh, dry labs, office type accommodation and computing facilities for people to pursue that. We also need to ensure that uh, the personal financial end is looked after. Uh, but it, it is interesting that usually people who choose the academic route uh, are more interested in the uh, sort of environment and the capacity to do their work. And uh, we, we often lose people, or we used to lose people, before we undertook our big expansion here because facilities somewhere else were more attractive. Mm. And I, I, I think that's really the key to it. Mm. Okay. And um, what competencies do you think that the academic leaders of tomorrow will need to be successful? Uh, they will need to be fully trained in uh, the scientific basis of medicine. They will need to have at least uh, exposure to research methodologies and technologies so that they're in a position to uh, assess new discoveries. Uh, there, there are a great number of new discoveries both in terms of drugs and in terms of for example imaging methodologies coming down the pipeline. We can't employ them all uh, because uh, of, for one reason the cost. So academic leaders and medical leaders are going to have to make decisions about which of these are going to be used and which are not. I think uh, an adequate training in applications of uh, information technology and uh, so-called e-health in the health arena are going to become essential because as I do believe we're at a tipping point where we are going to see the health uh, landscape change very quickly with the uh, deployment of e-health technologies. And if you were, you mentioned earlier that um, in Brisbane you had a mentor that was quite influential on you. I'd like to ask you if you were mentoring an aspiring uh, young academic or clinician, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I sort of am mentoring a young aspiring uh, clinician who's my daughter who gra also graduated from medicine in Queensland uh, and 
it's much harder though to mentor one's children than, <laughs> than someone who's independent. But the advice I would give is, is, is to choose an area of medicine that you find interesting and challenging and uh, worthwhile. It greatly helps if you can find a role model or mentor, someone who can actually guide you into this and, and through it. I think, uh, again, one has to choose whether one wishes primarily to be a practitioner and a acquire the clinical skills. If one does want to go down an academic path, then there is a need to uh, achieve a research doctorate and to get training uh, quite often, even today, that I believe that would mean doing a postdoc or spending a, a stint overseas, either in Europe or, or probably in the US. Mm. Mm. Okay. Peter, thanks very much for your time today. Okay. Thanks. So thank you for listening to the latest now series of healthcare sector podcasts brought to you by C-Centric. <laughs>